This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I'm Jackson Schneider, and today... We have a ton of K-State stuff. Let's just get right to it. I mean, typically we save Wednesdays for our K-State coverage, but Bruce Weber had media availability earlier today. We also have some Chris Kleiman audio for you. And uh, sandwiched in between those, we've got Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat joining us today to talk all things K-State as well as uh, some other stuff mixed in there too. So let's get right to it and uh, play an excerpt from Coach Bruce Weber's media availability over Zoom earlier this morning, previewing the Big 12 tournament uh, and kind of just deflecting some questions regarding his uh, future as the Kansas State head basketball coach. But let's jump right into it. Here's Bruce Weber. I think first, just uh, really proud I got the screensaver on the back of our our all-conference choices. Um, uh, Appreciate D. Scott, your positive energy toward uh, Nigel and um, talking about him being first team and and it came true and and I think it was well-deserved. I think we all would have been disappointed as a staff if he didn't get first team, but uh, pretty, pretty, amazing what he what he accomplished and and I think even more we we talked as a staff just to to be most improved also it says a lot to be most improved and be first team uh is is a nice accomplishment so uh you know excited and happy for him I I think also part of the story that you know with him he he didn't get to practice for four or five weeks I mean there was I we sat in the doctor's office back in uh you know, late September, early October, uh, and didn't know if his hip, if, you know, if he'd even play the year. And now not only plays the year, um, but, you know, is, you know, is made himself into one of the better players in the, the Big 12. And then, you know, I really, as I said before, maybe one of the better players in the, in the country. And then uh, to have Mark do what he did, uh, is really, really special to, to lead the league at rebound, smallest player in history, uh, you know, to, to get third team all conference in, in a league that, you know, is, is it's pretty well factual. That's the best league in the country with really, really good players. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, really, really happy and, and proud of him. And then uh, part of that all newcomer team, which was, which was loaded. Uh, there's no doubt and then, you know, obviously Marquise, uh, you know, we said from the beginning he was going to be very dynamic on both ends of the court to be all defensive team and then receive some honorable mention all conference. Uh, from where he came from, you know, Little Rock to the summer to, you know, really trying to prove himself. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, again, each each story is unique and, and uh you know, really, really happy for those guys, their accomplishments. It's, it says a lot about them. So, uh, you know, injury-wise, uh, you know, Marquise did participate a little bit yesterday. Uh, we'll have to see. We, we, we're coming back early today because we got to get on the road to get there. 
to for shoot around this late afternoon. Uh, we'll see how he feels uh, after that. He, he seemed fine uh, at the time. Um, you know, the limited part we had him in there, uh, you know, probably need a good day today just to, so he, if he's going to play in the game that he can trust it. Um, you know, I think it's more, a lot of it's, you know, part he hasn't practiced in that for a week, but also the other part is the mental part to, to feel comfortable that you're going to go, you know, full speed and change direction. And so had a little bit issue with, uh, uh, Carlton's knee, um, you know, it's, it's been, that's been plagued us off and on all year and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, hopefully other than that, we're, we're okay. So. Thank you, coach. Thanks for mentioning the all conference. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, first we'll start with, uh, Karen. Hi coach. Sorry about my camera. For some reason it just blew out. So anyway, hope you can hear me. Can you hear me okay? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. It's a little bit. A little bit. Just yeah, a little I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. I'll only ask one question. What is your message to the team coming to Kansas City? I mean, this is their time. This is just about the players. It's their time. Um, I said, you know, since we, yeah, I guess, whatever Sunday when we got together, uh, don't let yourself down and don't let your teammates down. And uh, we have a, a, a good group. Um, they really care. Uh, I think if they didn't care, we probably wouldn't have survived all we've been through. Um, and, and, and that's what I based it on you guys all year. You've cared, you love each other. You uh, enjoy each other. Uh, you know, now don't, not only don't let your teammates down, but also don't let yourself down. You know, you don't get this opportunity very often. And uh, I mean, that's, that's what we've talked about. They they've had good energy. Um, uh, you know, we got together Sunday, lift weights, watch a little film. Yesterday it was very positive, and, uh, you know, that's the most important thing. Thank you, Karen. Uh, next to Kellis. Is there such a thing as a uh, nothing-to-lose mentality from a coach? And if so, are you entering Kansas City with that this week? I mean, there, there's everything to lose. I mean, every time you lose a game, you you know, it's uh, – it's it's you know, it's – that's why you play. That's why you compete. That's why you coach. And – so there's, there's everything to lose. And, and we, you know, this is about the guys, this is about them to get a chance to, you know, maybe do something special. And it's, you know, you know, you always hear it's March, baby, anything can happen. So um, that's, that's the mentality we we're trying to do deal with. And hopefully our guys can, uh, we can have some things go our way uh, and, and play at a high level, it, but it's not going to be easy. West Virginia, both games were, were, close obviously the one we were very very undermanned um you know and, and undercoached and undermanned and uh, Jermaine did a great job but it's it, you know no practice no not enough players and we still got it to you know where we had a shot at the end um the game at, probably caught them off guard a little bit at their at their place I'm sure they looked at the bench and warm-ups and you know it's like the and the high level AAU team looks at the other one and they don't even have enough players to play and, and probably caught them. They, you know, but we didn't, we had a chance at the end game at our place. Uh, I uh, watched it late last night again. Uh, you know, obviously Sherman was really good first half. Um, you know, we had, they had some other guys make some shots. 
Uh, and then, you know, we found a way in the second half to just keep coming at them. And uh, I think that's going to be the important thing. We, we have to be in attack mode the whole time because they obviously are, they're aggressive and um, just came off a, a, you know, really good win at TCU. Uh, Mike said something interesting after the game. He um, made it seem like he was just really disappointed that the defensive effort has, has slipped off over these last couple of games. Um, the offense seems to have been there. Well, what's the key to, you know, balancing that out and getting the defense back up where you need it? Um, you know, I, I think all, everybody, just the communication, uh, you always hear people as coaches, if you have a good talking team, usually you have a chance to be a good defensive team. And, and just, you know, getting to the right spots, uh, you know, and, and being on your toes. Uh, you know, we talked about attacking on offense, same thing, attacking on defense. And, uh, you know, we, we have good possessions, but then we have we, – we slip and have, you know, bad possessions. And, you know, I, I told you guys, I mean, I showed it to – we've shown it to the players. I don't know what happened in that stretch. Um, Maybe it's maybe the whole season's taking a toll on our guys physically and mentally. I don't know, but uh, I hope they find it within themselves to come back and, and play at a high level uh, on uh, on uh, tomorrow night. All right. Thanks, Bruce. Good luck out there. Thank you. Uh, next question to Todd. Coach, um, just I know that this is not your concern right now. You're all in on basketball and what's going on in your game tomorrow in the tournament. But all the noise outside about your future and stuff like that, how do you separate that and keep it out of your program on, you know, your future with the, with the university? I'll be honest. I don't even pay attention to any of it. You know, I just worry about being ready to, for the players and helping the players be ready. Uh, and that's all I focus on. And watching film, I was watching film at my wife said, what time was it? It was 420 this morning. So that's that's the most important part of that. I can't sleep very much during the season, but uh, uh, that's all I worry about. That's the most important thing. Again, that was Kansas State men's basketball head coach Bruce Weber previewing the Big 12 tournament. K-State will be in action tomorrow night, uh, 6 p.m. tip inside of the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, taking on West Virginia. If K-State were to win that game, they would get Kansas on Thursday at about oh, 1, 1.30 in the afternoon approximately. And if they were to lose on Wednesday night against West Virginia, their season uh, would likely come to an end. And according to some reports and some rumblings, so would Bruce Weber's tenure as the head basketball coach at Kansas State. We'll preview um, that situation, not so much a preview, but we'll discuss it more in our next segment when we're joined by Tim Fitzgerald of Go Powercat. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned with us. We'll be back right after a quick break here on In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. KSAL 106.7 FM as well. And uh, typically we reserve Wednesdays to talk a lot of our K-State sports, but there was just so much going on today that we had to make a Tuesday 
edition of a Wildcat Wednesday. And we're joined now by basically the leader, the ring leader, whether that's for the better or worse, for K-State Sports Media. It's Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat. And Tim, we were just at uh, Coach Kleiman's presser and there was a Bruce Weber uh, media Zoom earlier today. There's so many different things going on. Where do you want to start? I don't even know, man. It's so weird. It feels early for spring football, but Coach Kleiman wants to get it on the front side of spring break. Um, pro day is tomorrow and then tomorrow evening got to be in Kansas City to cover basketball. So it's just a weird overlap between football and basketball right now. You know what? Well, I'm a chronological guy. So let's start with this morning and coach Weber's, uh, media zoom there. And I feel weird calling those pressers cause it's just not the same, no. uh, because most of us are sitting there with our cameras turned off in our underwear, listening to what coach has to say, Shh, but, keep it a <laughs> but, um, I mean, we got to start with the obvious. He's kind of a, a dead man walking yeah. right now. At least that's what it, it seems like uh, with especially what's taking place over the last couple of weeks and losing, what, four or five in a row now. I've lost count. But, uh, I mean, the only thing left in front of K-State is the Big 12 tournament, which starts tomorrow, and they're kind of a long shot to win there. So how how does K-State even approach Wednesday night? Are they... Can we expect a dud, or are we going to expect them to fight for Coach Weber just to keep him around a little I, longer? I honestly don't know. Every time Bruce Weber's been in these positions, his players have fought. And I'm not implying that this group hasn't fought. They've played some pretty good basketball. They've just lost five in a row. They haven't been good enough. So going up against a very comparable West Virginia team, I'm not sure. And West Virginia's coming off a nice win, so I'm not sure how Kansas State will react to that. Whoever wins has to play Kansas, so congratulations. And um, it's just a, an odd situation. Bruce Weber has, you know, declined talk to talk about his future. He says he really hadn't thought about, it, which is, I think, we can all agree, is disingenuous. Mm -hmm. it, it probably has thought about it a lot. In fact, he kind of let it slip with Mark Smith after we're done in Kansas City. We'll help him get to some pro camps if we can. So it's like he knows that they're probably not going to any form of postseason. They are 10 games winning streak away from a national title. We should be <laughs> honest here, but um, I, I think. Uh, he knows darn well. Once they lose in Kansas City, his time in charge of the program is over. Now, that brings me to the next step, because I talked with James Westling yesterday about what's next. I mean, who's the shortlist? Where is Gene Taylor going to look for someone to take over this program? Because I feel like even though K-State is struggling right now and it's nowhere near where fans want it to be, mm -hmm. They're still in a pretty darn good spot with a lot of talent. Yeah, you know, and it, that's going to be a big part of it is whomever takes over the job has to come in and manage that talent, try to keep it put together, keep Nigel Pack certainly in the house and not let him transfer or anyone else of, of consequence while adding more players because they just weren't good enough this year. So you lose Mark Smith, which is a big loss. Mike McGurl has been a kind of a you know cornerstone of the program for quite a while now. So those guys in terms of leadership need to be replaced. But where K-State goes is hard to tell because Gene Taylor naturally hasn't talked to anyone really about this, nor should he, before the deed is done, so to speak. Uh, I, I think they'll probably look for less expensive routes. You know, I think all of us in north central Kansas would love it if Brad Underwood came back you know, from McPherson to Salina and all parts in between and, and around would love for for Brad to be back in Manhattan and in charge of the basketball program for the first time. But I think the finances won't work that out. I, I'm confident Casey will at least talk to him to see where things are at. But beyond that, I think they're looking at more inexpensive options. I mean, if you can't afford Brad, then that takes other guys off the table that maybe would be in the three million plus range. 
You know, there's there's a couple assistant coaches I know they're interested in in the Big 12. That seems to be the hot thing with ADs now is look at the the guy who's never had a shot and give him the shot. And it, it does kind of lower your financial risk. You, you can pay those guys maybe a little bit less and and uh, see where it goes. A guy I really like is Chris Jans down at New Mexico State. He was on the Wichita State staff uh, when they went to the Final Four with Steve Forbes, who's the head coach at Wake Forest. That was my guy for a long time. If they couldn't bring home Brad, I like Steve Forbes, but he's now locked up at <laughs> he's now locked up at uh, Wake Forest for long term. And we'll just see where this plays out. But we will be releasing a hot board as soon as the job is open. And um, there's, there's just some really interesting names. And everything right now is guesswork, but we've done our best to make it educated guesswork. And now if you heard those barks in the background, we got to address that. We're coming to you live. Is What do you call this? Is it the cat cave? No, the, kind? We just called our GPC studio, but it is in my home. And the, <laughs> and the dogs are uh, protecting me from probably a mailman trying to kill me. Yeah, they were protective of, of you over me, too. And I know I'm super intimidating. But um, with K-State in, in the uncertainty that lies ahead it's super difficult i feel like for a lot of fans to get excited for what's typically a very exciting week with the big 12 tournament in kansas city and it with it finally being kind of the the full big 12 tournament again with full attendance and low restrictions because of covid and everything you'd think there'd be more excitement but you and i were talking about how cheap the tickets are going for so is is that just kind of a, an offshoot of K-State, one, struggling and playing on the opening night of the Big 12 tournament, and then two, maybe not even having a head yeah. coach by this time It's crazy on Thursday. You know, I, I hopped on my preferred secondary seller website to see what tickets were, and there's lower bowl seats at T-Mobile for $5. And there's certainly upper bowl seats for that cost. And it's just crazy how – what – the large number of tickets that are available. There's a couple things that work here. First of all, there's not a second game on Wednesday because Oklahoma State can't play. So there's only one Wednesday game, which if you're in the Wednesday game means you didn't perform very well. And that's where K-State and West Virginia are. So there's really only two teams. I think we all know that West Virginia won't be traveling real heavy this year. A lot of Mountaineer fans have come to Manhattan in the, or excuse me, to Kansas City in the past. And they're, they have a great time, but not after this season, not looking at the weather. I don't think people will be coming, and it's a great disappointment. But also when we were talking earlier, I mentioned that how excited I am for when the Big 12 becomes 12 again, and this first day of the Big 12 tournament is a four-full-game slate like it used to be because that first day was a lot of fun watching teams that um, – you know, with only four buys, that means there's some teams that really need the wins that are, are fighting for the wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that because, you know, the two full days has all, was always one of my favorites. And that was like the major drawback of when the Big 12 shrank uh, was losing the full day. And you only get those two night yeah. games. It's never been the it's same. never been the same. It's, and it's not because Kansas City would be bustling on Wednesday mm-hmm. normally and it won't be. Well, hopefully that will change in the future, but we also have to talk about Chris Kleiman. K-State starts spring practice. Uh, well, started earlier today, uh, and we got to kind of hear his opening remarks about certain situations all around. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing people want to hear about is quarterback with Adrian Martinez. And even though he's not able to really throw or participate much at all, it seemed like he still had his hand, according to coach, in a lot of different things around the program with 
just kind of being there as a leader. And I think that's really encouraging, especially to hear how the rest of the quarterback room kind of received that. You know, Philip Brooks came in the receiver and uh, he mentioned that Adrian is really helpful in the spring because he knows the playbook. Well, what's that say about him? He came in, you know, he is experienced, uh, but it's in a different system. So there must have been enough similarities or he's just got a great understanding. We spoke with him, you know, earlier this semester and he's impressive. So maybe he really does have a nice grasp on the offense because that's going to be important. But then again, we don't know how much Colin Klein's changing the system. I mean, is he keeping a lot of the, the terminology or is everyone kind of starting over? I'm not sure. I would imagine he keeps a lot of stuff in place and and puts his you know fingerprints on it with Adrian Martinez at quarterback. But I think one of the things they're going to want to do in talking to Philip Brooks is they're going to go a lot faster. They're going to speed up the tempo of the offense. We saw a little bit in the bowl game, but probably a lot more needs to come. Now, to see, that to me is crazy to think about because my entire life, K-State's been... Methodical. Uh, yeah, well, that's one way to put it mm-hmm. for sure. I, I've kind of felt like they've kind of been in the dark ages, right, with all these other teams in the Big 12 who want to run and gun and play fast. And K-State's there taking their time and, and you know, pounding the rock, so to speak. So it, it's interesting to see that kind of change. And it come it's coming from a guy who is a part of one of those methodical offenses in Colin Klein. But it makes me really excited about what's to come, especially after he got the bowl game to, to kind of try it out. Yeah, I I don't know how much the playbook's going to vary, but um, I trust that there was a reason why he wanted Adrian Martinez. I mean, the the kid can really run it. He's an incredible athlete. He's had some problems throwing the ball. Not that he doesn't have a great arm. Uh, just sometimes his accuracy and decision-making has been in doubt. We asked him about that, and he, you know, he said, yeah, it was probably pressing at times because Nebraska was in so many close games. You want to make the play, get over the hump, and it just kind of backfired. But how these two wed together, how does it impact the existing quarterback room that was there before Adrian came? Does Will Howard still fit in? Does Jake Rubley fit in? Chris Kleiman admitted they got to get him more advanced than what he has been. Um, Jaron Lewis, where's he sit? And do they just kind of start over and start looking at different quarterbacks? I was really struck by the fact that Kleiman said, Will Howard's up to 245. And I kind of thought to myself, he's beginning to sound a lot like a tight end. So we'll see how everything plays out. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting tweak. I, that didn't even cross my mind. I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's big for it's a big. quarterback. But, hey, uh, you know, whatever it fits into the offense, and I'm sure – Will Howard would be willing to do, yep. you know, just about whatever it takes. He seems like a kid that just wants to win. So Agreed. that's a, a good kid you want to have in your program. But I mean, it was, it's just the first day of spring. So I'm sure there's a lot of things that were generalized in coaches' answers. But what was the thing maybe for you that surprised you or, or struck you the most from anything else that he had said today? Well, he talked about being so shorthanded on the defensive front and they're not able to run their double reps, which is essentially they have two different groups going full, you know, 11 on 11, that one into the field is now seven on seven because more um, working on special teams because those big guys aren't necessarily put in, put into duty in special teams. I didn't realize they were that short on the defensive line until we spoke to Chris Kleiman today. I knew some guys were out. I knew Nate Matlack was out. He put something on social media, and he was in a sling, and we all went, when did this happen? Um, but also, Khalid Duke still isn't back, and Eli Huggins is out. So they're down some guys that will play significant minutes in the fall that just aren't available to them this spring. But he did say they're really deep in their um, 
skill positions, receiver, running back, defensive, secondary. And uh, I think that's really promising for what we could see next season on the on the football field. And I know it's it. Some people would want to use the bowl game and the finish to the season as kind of that springboard. But how much is that true? Like, can you use that as a springboard into the yeah. next season, building off of the bowl game and, and everything that came from that? You know, Bill Snyder once said, told me that it's not just important to play in the bowl because of the kids, you know, want to play in a bowl and it shows a sign of success. He said it, it puts you into a routine where you, you're never off very long. You never have large windows of time for players to get out of condition lose their focus, maybe transfer. They just stay in cycle. Uh, they played early January, their bowl game. I mean, it was really late by bowl game standards this year. So they had seven, eight weeks off before they go into spring practice. They'll have post-spring break time to finish up their classes and get their grades in line and maybe a little break to go home before summer conditioning starts and then summer conditioning and then another little break before fall camp. You don't stop. You just get these little windows of time that you can steal some time. But even in that seven, eight weeks between the bowl game and spring football, they've been in the weight room. And they talked a lot about the progress they've made under Coach True, their new strength coach. And it sounds like some of the guys have put on a significant amount of good muscle mass weight. And what can that do? I mean, I mean, aside from the obvious of being stronger, like how, how does a guy like Coach True stepping in and kind of changing that culture, how does that help this program move forward? I think True's you know, moved in the position of more explosive type of weight gain in terms of if you're going to put on muscle mass, it's going to be things that help you uh, be more explosive, not just stronger. And, you know, stronger is very valuable naturally in football. But Daniel Green talked about it today that he's, you know, going to have to work on his coverage skills for the next level, something he's focusing on this spring. But he is, you know, up to 240, which is pretty big for Daniel. And he said, but I'm faster and more explosive. So that's those are the type of things that that the new weight program at K-State aims to do. And honestly, it's something they had fallen behind in. Well, hopefully that kind of helps them catch up a little Mm -hmm. bit since they had fallen behind. But, um, you know, aside from your expertise in K-State athletics and everything, I don't feel like enough people know kind of your other battles Mm -hmm. and things that you've you've had to endure here lately. So I wanted to to have you on not only to talk K-State sports, but to kind of talk a little bit about that, because I, I know you're very vocal about a lot of different things with that. But let's just start with what have you been going through and where has that taken you? Yeah, it's been a journey. In 2018, covering the NCAA tournament, I was in Atlanta and got a call um, from an insurance agent about a life policy and saying that I'd been rejected, but I needed to get to my doctor. And turned out my PSA, my prostate-specific antigen score, was too high. And that led to a diagnosis of prostate cancer, which is, you know, common among men. That, that You know, the, the line in the medical world is um, after 65... It, your age represents your chances of getting prostate cancer. I mean, it's very common among men. It's becoming more common with younger men. I was 53 at the time. And um, typically when you get it when you're younger, it's more aggressive than mine really was. And it moved very quickly. And it moved from what we thought was stage three, which is manageable, to stage four, which completely flips the coin on survivability from a 95% survivability to a 5% survivability for you know more than five years it's it's a horrible diagnosis when you're stage four uh, but after three years after, after really aggressive radiation treatment and having my prostate removed 
Uh, luckily, I skipped chemotherapy that it never moved into, it never went metastatic. So I'm had the, there's a small window with prostate cancer where it gets out of your prostate, gets out of the, the gate, and, and it usually gets into your bones, your blood, um, your lymphatic system. And it never did with me. It got into my bladder, and we stopped it there. And I irradiated it. And as of December, I've been listed as in remission. If you've ever dealt with cancer, you know that really doesn't mean much. Cancer tends to come back at some point, but it's still a really nice milestone. And my doctors did an incredible job. When we were aggressive with it. It was it was a difficult journey to, to get through it and continue to work and do those things. But now I'm really pledging myself to let men know, just go get your PSA scored. It's just it's a simple blood test. And for some reason, the medical community, some doctors wait too long on it. But go get your PSA scored. Now, for people who aren't listening or to that maybe as much as they should, I mean, for your firsthand example of why mm -hmm. that's so important. But, I mean, with everything that you've gone through and how how you learned how important that is, I guess. What What's your message to someone who maybe isn't taking that as seriously? Well, my, my message is always this, and I know uh, we are in an agriculture culture around here. Um, <laughs> and a lot of those old guys out west and, you know, in the north central part of the state uh, are tough, really, really tough. They're still out there working their fields in, in their 70s or older sometimes. It's amazing what they do. But brothers, you're not tougher than untreated cancer. Nobody is. It'll steal you. It'll take you. And the earlier you can get to it, prostate cancer is very, very manageable if you get to it soon. And unfortunately, as I said, mine was really aggressive. We didn't quite get there in time. I wish we'd caught it even a month earlier. That's how how narrow of a window it was. So don't miss out on the time. Just go to your doctor, get a checkup. I know you don't like to, but I've had friends say, I went to the doctor, got my PSA scored, and guess what they found? They didn't find prostate cancer, but they found this. We don't go to the doctor enough, Jackson. We just mm -hmm. don't. Um, and get to the doctor, say, hey, score my PSA, and they'll check a box on your blood work, and it's done. Well, Tim, I, I appreciate your time, not only uh, for your, your message there, for your sports knowledge, but your humble abode, your studio, <laughs> offering that up to me today. Uh, hopefully we can get you on a lot more here soon. But in the meantime, where can people go to find your work? Uh, you, by the way, the dogs are always available if you need them <laughs> on your show again. They're very, very vocal. Uh, GoPowerCat.com. We're part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And, in fact, we have a 50% off your first year subscription deal right now is we head into what could be really uh, interesting times for K-State sports as football seems to be really on the upward climb right now and it, it's looking good and basketball probably is about to get a reset that I think fans are been long, waiting for a very long time. All right, Tim Fitzgerald, go Power Cat. I'm Jackson Schneider. You're listening to In the Zone. We'll be back with more here in just a little bit on 1150 KSAL. <laughs> To in the zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. I'm Jackson Schneider. Hope you enjoyed. If you were listening in our last segment, we were joined by Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat. I always enjoy sitting down with Tim. He is an awesome person, very insightful. He knows what he's talking about, and that's the the most important reason we have him on. Is the dude is is locked in to all things K State. Very much. Uh, 
in the know in a lot of different ways. And we'll be talking to him soon, assuming some of the changes that many of us anticipate will happen with the big, big, uh, uh, head coaching change with K-State basketball coming in the near future. So we'll we'll be sure to have him on, but also love having him on just because uh, he, he's been through a lot and he offers a really cool perspective, not only on life, but just on on really just everything that anything you can talk about with him. He is a blast. So very, very thankful for him for for lending not only his his voice and his his thoughts to our show, but also. Recording that from his basement, the uh, Go Powercat Studios there uh, in his basement at Tim's house. But that brings us to our final topic today. We will leave you uh, with some excerpts from Coach Chris Kleiman's presser today. The full presser is, oh, somewhere around 30 to 35 minutes long. It was a long session today where he kind of answered any and every question about the team and its future as they begin spring practice and have... Um, pro day tomorrow as well. But this is just a, a small chunk of it. We're going to take the beginning portion because, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of time left. So hopefully you enjoy these thoughts uh, from Coach Chris Kleiman as Kansas State opened up spring practice today. We'll have plenty more throughout the spring practice sessions as coaches made available to us. But again, here is Coach Chris Kleiman from Kansas State Football. Okay. Uh, well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back. It's uh, exciting to be back at practice. Um, we had our first practice this morning. You could tell uh, that we didn't play that long ago. I think that's one of the benefits of, of playing late like we did in, in January. Uh, there's a lot of familiarity, uh, whether it's drills to um, just young guys knowing where they're supposed to be. Some of these drills we just did with these young guys, January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So um, that's the that's the positive part is the fact that uh, uh, we have a lot of guys that have not been away from football for that long. I think maybe the negative side of things is um, we had so many kids have season-ending surgeries that were down quite a few numbers, uh, especially in the defensive line. So we've got to be pretty creative on how we're doing practice uh, right now. Uh, you know, we like to do our double rep stuff. We don't have the ability to do that. So opposite of that, we have a, a team period going. And opposite of that, we have seven on seven just because we have a few more skill kids. So we'll have to adapt and adjust quite a bit uh, throughout the spring. We won't have a traditional spring game. We will have a few scrimmages, but not for very many plays because, we're once again, we're down so many defensive linemen uh, for this spring. But uh, it was a good first day, and guys were flying around and good leadership, good energy. And uh, we'll have another practice on Thursday, which will be uh, same thing, just helmets and and, uh, and jerseys, and then uh, have that uh, week of spring break, which I forgot we didn't have spring break last year, so it was a it was a grind going through everything. But this year we have spring break, and come back from that, we'll be able to put the pads on and go to work. A couple things. I'd, I'd met Thad uh, a number of times through Brian Anderson. Uh, he and BA have, have been longtime friends and um, I just uh, had learned a lot about Thad. He'd been in a lot of really good places, visited with a few coaches that uh, he worked under that spoke uh, uh, very, very highly of him as far as uh, not only his knowledge of, of the game and his knowledge of receiver play, but uh, uh, building relationships and uh, um, getting the, the most out of his receivers. And so it's been just a, a couple of weeks, but uh, like uh, where it's heading right now. I know you 
and then the, the offseason, was there any shoe players that really took a huge step forward in the strength and conditioning portion? Well, there's, yeah, uh, everybody did in, in uh, the fact of it was a shorter window. We didn't really get going until almost the 1st of February after taking a little bit of time off uh, after the bowl game. But, uh, you know, just the amount of lean muscle mass and um, body fat lost and, and those things. There's a number of guys that uh, uh, really, you know, I think helped their bodies out. And now we've got to continue that on for the rest of the spring. Back to those numbers, even at 85, and you guys are fairly close to that, how difficult is it to keep everything in balance? You mentioned you've got more skill and yeah, it's it's difficult, but um, you know we just got to be creative in what we what we're doing. I I I know that we need to be a little bit better in special teams. Uh, something that uh, uh, we as a staff talked about. We were good on special teams, but I think we can be better and need to be better on special teams. So that's another area that you typically don't have a lot of defensive offensive linemen on some of those special teams units. So we're able to take. Uh, a period of time and, and work special teams in, in place of a team period as well just to keep pushing the young guys forward. We have so many young guys that I'm excited about but just haven't played football and need uh, need you know constant repetition and constant coaching. And so uh, we'll spend some a, a lot of that time on special teams as well trying to balance those uh, uh, our, some of our numbers out. You don't bring in any experience starting quarterback with the idea of not playing. Well, excited about those guys. Um, you know, Will is even bigger and stronger. Will's 245 probably, uh, and just needs to continue to take repetitions. And and uh, uh, he'll he'll run with the ones this spring. Um, Jaron's. Uh, that much more experienced and better. Uh, Jake Rubley, we're excited about. Jake needs. We need to really push Jake uh, this uh, this spring to give him some opportunities uh, and see how his growth and development has been. And then Adrian's learning. Uh, he's out there uh, doing all the things that he can. He can't throw right now this spring, but he's doing some of the the footwork mechanics and run game things. And then visiting with Coach Klein, and we're just Adrian's trying to get up to speed where everybody else is at and learning the offense. He is not, um, you know, coming off of, of his surgery. He is not. He's uh, uh, just some individual drills right now. We hope to have him to be non-contact, some seven-on-seven things, hopefully around the 1st of April. Uh, but, uh, no, he will not be a full participant this spring. Where do you kind of foresee him playing in a yeah, both. He's going to play some, you know, similar to what we did last year. He'll play some defensive end, true defensive end, and then he'll play some uh, outside linebacker for us. It's probably uh, disappointing that we don't get him all spring to find out because he needs to be pushed more as a linebacker than he does as a defensive lineman. He's played D-line his whole time here, so he's really adept at that and really talented, and he's one of the best – I think one of the best pass rushers we have in the Big 12. Now we just have to uh, keep pushing him and keep having him learn as best he can, getting the limited snaps he has as a linebacker. And what would you say as far as uh, what is Crew Jackson's development now? Um, Crew's continuing to get stronger. He's continuing to try to put on weight. He's a long body. I think he's grown a couple inches since uh, he's been here even. Uh, covers so much ground. Um, and he's going to take a, a ton of snaps. He'll play the, the Sam linebacker or nickel spot for us, and he's going to take a ton of snaps uh, this spring, and, and we have to see what uh, 
what his best skill set is. You know, is, is can he rush the passer um, like a Khalid can? He's probably not going to be able to cover like a Reggie can, so we've got to do some different things with him. But he just covers so much ground out there. He's so long that he takes away a lot of throws uh, just with his length. Well, I know we had seven at practice today. So, um, you know, if, if we were in double rep, we'd have one extra. So we don't have the ability to do it right now. Um, but I look at a kid like Cody Stuffelbean and Brendan Mott. Those two guys have been in our program a while, and I'm excited to see how they grow and develop. Um, Cartez is, uh, is the other one that's playing some defensive ends. We really have three defensive ends that we're trying to rotate through that we think can provide some much-needed uh, assistance and depth for us this year. Uh, but those guys are going to get the lion's share of the reps against the Cooper BBs and Christian Duffy, so they're going to get a great opportunity uh, to see what they can do. With, with Will stepping back in to, I guess, be quarterback for spring stuff again just like that what's the next step in maturation um just feeling more confident throwing the football um he understands our offense so so well and and uh coach klein does a phenomenal job with him and um he's really uh, i was in the quarterback meeting this morning he's just so so crisp and confident in what he's doing same with jaron they just know uh, what we're doing so well offensively. Now it is making the right read, being decisive, being um, you know confident and, and pulling the trigger and rolling. I saw some really good throws he made today and some seam routes uh, to Phillip that excited all of us because it's like, okay, we've seen this uh, out of Will. Now it's a consistency, and Will knows that as well. Will's a really good football player. He just got to gain confidence and gain consistency so it just snaps out of his hand. Um, well, we've made the wholesale change to put Jack Stanine at running back, and I think that's probably the big thing. Um, he'll he'll play some fullback, but if you guys noticed in the in the bowl game, he played some true running back for us, and that's what we've just put him with Coach Anderson and said, go through all the meetings uh, and let's see how far we can we can take it with Jacks because he's. Um, it gives us a different dimension for sure running the football. He's got good hands. He'll be able to protect. And now, whether it's Jordan Shippers, whether it's uh, uh, DJ Giddens, I mean, those are a couple that are taking some of the reps. Uh, Devon Withers is out this spring with an injury that he sustained in the fall. Um, and so we don't have a lot of numbers there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to protect uh, Deuce a little bit. He doesn't need to have uh, – he'll, he'll run a lot of, of the – non-contact drills and things like that and seven on seven and some team period but you know he's not going to be in any of the scrimmage situations so it's going to come down to shippers jackson and uh, uh dj and again that was kansas state head football coach chris Kleiman. today was the first day of spring practice uh, we will have plenty more k-state spring ball coverage in the coming days and weeks as that all progresses uh, but i hope you enjoyed what was a jam-packed show today with coach uh Kleiman, coach Weber, Tim Fitzgerald. It was a ton of fun for me uh, just to run all over Manhattan and get everything recorded and, and, and 
kind of give it all a deep listen. But hopefully you enjoyed that. We'll have plenty more uh, tomorrow with Wyatt Thompson, as well as previewing K-State and West Virginia a little bit deeper into that matchup tomorrow. But that's going to wrap up our show today. We'll be back tomorrow, 515 to 6, here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. <laughs> 